Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Everybody and welcome to the podcast that straight up, no joke this week, appreciates and treasures the Ben Bishop era in Dallas. And certainly a, though long time coming, sad thing to see him finally call it quits this week. Um, we're going to do a little bit of stargazing. Got a, got a three-man booth, three-person booth um, tonight, Taylor and Mark joining me. But again, I, I did want to go ahead and kick off. I know we normally bring the funny, but it did Wanted to start. We'll, we'll start there. It's It's been a, a big news in Dallas Stars goaltending. It's been um, unfortunately bleak since the last time we spoke, and, and the prediction that Mark made that just about broke me has turned out to be uh, pretty much correct, sadly. And um, then you know we're having we're having some fun, uh, having some some cancellations and some some news to talk about around the league in regards to the virus, and so we've got. Got a, a, a whiz-bang show, real optimistic stuff, but I promise we'll, we'll manage to find a little bit of fun um, along the way. So, Taylor, Mark, hello. Good evening. How are both of you? Doing hey. just great. Well, good. Wonderful. I'm just here. Sorry. It's been <laughs> it's been a week, y'all. I don't know. It, it's just it's been a month. It's been a year. What? <laughs> realistically, I saw a date on something at work, and it said 2022, and I was like, oh, that's like two years from now, and it still hasn't clicked with me that we're almost through 2021. I think we could officially rename the podcast Stargazing colon It's Been a Week, Y'all, and it <laughs> wouldn't be something we have to change. It's true. <laughs> it's, it's good. Dallas sometimes. is never quiet. Like, they have to be one of the most dramatic teams. And I only, and I mean that in the sense of seems like every week there's something new to talk about and some crazy thing has happened. And yeah. whether well, it's, it's, it's on ice, a- off ice, it's been. It's classic. Yeah. If if you just look at this team's like average emotional load, right? It's a it's a perfectly average emotional team, but it's average because it's either a ten or a one, and it's never they're never like a three and a half or a four, right? It's either everything is on fire, or I guess in our case, everything is frozen entirely, or they're in the Stanley Cup final, and there's just no middle ground, and it's a little exhausting, frankly. Oh, you're just you're just hit. I already used manic depressive in the in the preview for tomorrow. So you're just following right along on that. Good. The, the, great. the great thing. The great thing here is that they're more fun off the ice than they are on the ice. And so we'll <laughs> stick with that. I don't know that fun is the word I'd use lately. I mean, so we'll start with with some off the ice stuff, of course, this week. Um, two really big pieces of news coming down. The first is that Ben Bishop's comeback is over officially. There was a a rehab start. It was interesting to me. There was a rehab start in Texas that did not go well. And then all of a sudden he's calling it quits. And then you get all of the reports about how he's had trouble moving laterally in practices. And, you know, it's it, it was one of those situations where a part of me was like, if some of that had broken over the summer, then... You know, part of me was like, 
they're just really, you know, selling the drama, Mark, to your point. And, and it seems like the culprit was the knee that he hurt, of course, right before the original COVID shutdown never quite came back. Um, and he is officially uh, officially done as an NHL player. And you know, I think he's going to do the LTIR retirement thing. So he's not formally retired yet, but definitely not coming back. And then the other bit of news is Anton Hudobin has been waived and assigned to Texas. So it is officially the Ottinger Holtby era in the Dallas crease. And and we'll start with what is your kind of favorite or defining Ben Bishop moment? I'm going to get to that in a second, but I'm going to say this one thing about what you just said about had some of this broke over this summer. Yep. I think two things happened. One, I think that the organization respects Ben Bishop so much that they wanted to give him the license and the and the opportunity to do everything he could to get back. He even said in his kind of semi-retirement press conference that if he was a forward, he would still be skating. Like, yep. it's a matter of the position that he's playing and what that position requires that cut his time short. And also um, probably the fact that he's what six, seven, two hundred plus. I mean, it's it. There yes. is a lot to move up and down, side to side, when you're an athlete of, of his caliber and his size. Exactly, but I think they wanted to give him the ability to explore and ensure and do everything that he could to make sure that this was, you know, the right call and that it was was time. And you know, like he didn't have any regrets of maybe I should have tried it or given it one more shot or whatever. And then him try that later down the line or, or what have you. So I take, I take a little bit of exception to that because I think that's what the organization was trying to do. And then the other thing is, is I feel like didn't they kind of signal that that's what was probably the likely outcome anyway, when they, when they signed Holtby in, in the off season. I mean, they did. And you're, you're right twice because I, I will say that as a, you know, it is impossible to look at his body of work as a Dallas star. And I, I love the way that you framed it. And I'm glad you did. If, if there's any, you know, Ben Bishop is on the short list of players that absolutely earned that kind of deference from the team with what he did while he was here and, and what he accomplished. And, and, you know, if, if that in fact was the reasoning, which it sounds very likely that it was right. I totally believe anything, you know, you're, you're connected and all of that. So if that's the rationale, I think that's a, a wonderful one. And I think it's a, you know, it, it, that is a big feather in the cap of the Dallas stars organization that they would do that for a player of Ben Bishop stature and also a cap in his, you know, a feather in his cap for being somebody that is, has earned that sort of, of, you know, engagement, that sort of support from the team. Yeah. And I, and this comes, you know, yes, I am, you know, around the organization a lot, um, you know, in my role as NHL.com correspondent this year and, you know, being a man, I do it all. (laughs) Boom. Um, but no, it's like, yes, I am around, but for me, this isn't, this is not something that I know or that I, you know, talk to somebody, you know, high up. It's just knowing how Jim Nill treats people. So you can say what you want about, his roster construction, managing the cap, drafting, development, all of that other stuff. But the one thing that you absolutely cannot pin on Jim Nill is the fact that he's an asshole because <laughs> he is the opposite. <laughs> he is so well respected in the NHL realm. He's able to attract players here because of the way in which he treats them. And it's as a person first. 
I mean, I was um, going to say, like, just if if you want, you know, a, a view into who he is and how he's perceived, look at Dallas's record pursuing free agents, right? Even going back to, you know, we're back to talking about, I guess Bishop wasn't a free agent, but they they signed him once they acquired him. But yeah, he's he's consistently been able to get the guys he wanted to agree to come play here, so... Exactly. But so back to the original question. Sorry, I'll go off the box. Um, how dare I think, you? Yeah, how dare I? Um, so so this is an actual, this is a behind the scenes moment um, that I'll, I'll share with everybody. Um, so in my real job, I have the opportunity to meet a lot of people in sports. Um, we consult on sports facilities, et cetera. And I was working on a project and I got the opportunity to meet the president of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I spoke with him at length about a different project. And, and um, at the end, you know, he'd asked me kind of like who I was and, and where I was from. And I mentioned I lived in Dallas and I was big, you know, big hockey fan. And I, and then he put me on the spot and he was like, you know, so what do you think our, our weaknesses are? And I'm like, you're the Tampa Bay Lightning. You have none. Um, <laughs> and, and, um, and he kind of laughed and, and then he was like, Hey, um, you know, make sure that the next time you see Ben Bishop, you tell him I said hello. And I was like, sure, because, you know, I just walk up to Ben Bishop and I'm just like, hey, buddy, what's up? No, no, I do not. But we were it was um, at practice or no, it was after a game that Ben Bishop started. And usually the, the starting goaltender is often requested to speak on the game, especially if it's one in which, you know, they post a shutout or it was a one goal game or it was a goaltending duel, whatever. And so Ben Bishop was going to speak to speak with us, but he was sitting down and um, taking his pads off and stuff. And I, and I was just like, Hey, by the way, I've met, you know, such and such name, Tampa Bay lightning. And he was like, I mean, face just lit up and he was like, Oh, that's so cool. Like, you know, why did you see him? And when did you do that? And it's so cool that like, he sent me a hello. And I was like, well, why wouldn't he? And to me that, that just showed like how well respected he is by all of his other teammates. Um, and then also just, you know, to like, to, for it to click and be like, yes, I know this person. And like, that's so cool. And I think so sometimes it's so easy to, to move on fast. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, I don't want to think about the old team I used to be with. And the fact that they, you know, they, they won cups after he left, you know, he was just like, he had mad respect for that team still. Um, and it went both ways. And so for me, that's my kind of favorite Ben Bishop moment, even though nobody else saw it except for me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Mark, how about you? Oh, I, I don't know that I could follow up Taylor that that well. <laughs> that's why um, I'm making you I would, not me. I know. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I look at from a from my ironic stars viewpoint, which is that fabulous Vezina quality season that Bishop gave to the stars. Uh, right at, right after the point when they really needed a Vezina quality goaltender, oh, he, he he deserved to win it that year, I and he did deserve to win it that year. But how how many times over the last decade have we said if the Stars only had a above average goaltender, this team would be would be there, and and then in comes Bishop and the team isn't ready for him. Yeah. Give give him to that the the Lindy Ruff years and where do yep. you get like it's it's always that that Patrick Sharp version of the team when they still had you know several functional lines I, I yeah 
I mean, in mine's mine's the same. I, I I can't help but go with the obvious, which is that you know that that game seven against St. Louis, where as as much as the perception of that game is, if only the wraparound had gone in, or if only we you know not, they'd not hit the post. The the reality is that game was Ben Bishop deciding that he was just not you know the to to steal future words from his his partner in the tandem right he just he didn't want to go home yet he was having a good time hanging out in the net and that if you ever want to see just the impact a goaltender can have on an individual NHL game that that game is he he was magnificent that night yep. and he was magnificent in you know it, it it does not get to be a much higher pressure situation than that and he was just phenomenal like you know skin tinglingly good um and I, I definitely i still i still remember you know my my first thought after they lost it, it he was so good my first thought wasn't you know angered that the stars had lost my first thought after that and i got to anger don't worry but my first thought was sympathy for to to play as well as he played and to do what he did and to not win was is honestly tragic in a way right it was it was yep. one of those great uh those great like doomed moments yeah and and i guess to follow on what taylor was saying about jim nil i think you know as as many conversations as we had over the last six months about what in the world the Dallas Stars were doing with their netminders. In retrospect, I think we kind of have to look back at what Jim Neal pulled off there. And and I, I don't know that he could have done much better. Yeah, I think the only the only quibble you can make, and this is one of those where the reality of the league strikes, and I don't know that it would have been possible. You know, you look at the term and you look at the dollars they gave to Anton Hudobin, and I think that you know, that is the only nit I can pick. And, and even doing that one, given how well he played before he got that contract, I think your kind of hands are, you can't, you can't, we, there would have been riots. You could if they'd not let, let the no. guy who backs up you to the Stanley Cup final game six walk. <laughs> that's right. I mean, yep. I agree. Like, and, and also, and that's why yeah. would have rioted. Yep. Absolutely rioted. Like, and I mean, you could have, any argument you would have made. His age, his term, he's never had any stretch of hockey like that before in his life. It would never be recreatable. Whatever would fall, have fallen on deaf ears. Yep. I, and, and listen, I was not bringing that up because I agree with the line of thinking. I was The reality of his situation was he was always going to get that. And then the second thing is that argument is also driven a little bit by hindsight. Because at that moment, like, Bishop didn't come back. And... Braden Holtby wasn't on the roster. So at, at the moment they gave Hudobin that contract, they desperately needed Anton Hudobin. And the fact it's, it's one of those classic, you know, you, you can't, you have to judge the process, right? And the process was sound. They had Hudobin. He fit the system. He played well. They needed to keep him. All of those things line up. And, and then the, the last bit I'll say is you mentioned, you know, one of the other things you have to give Jim Nill credit for is the way that he managed the cap. Yeah, it's it's now today, right now, it looks like a little bit of a gross deal and you wish the stars, you know, didn't necessarily have it on the books, but it hasn't cost them anything, right? Name name a player that they've been unable to resign because of Anton Hudobin's number. And two, even in the worst case, it's one more year, right? It's not going to cost them. They're not they're not going to not be able to to resign Jason Robertson because of the Anton Hudobin deal. So as much as there are aspects of it standing here today that don't necessarily look awesome, none of those things existed when the deal was signed. The deal had certainly been earned by performance, and it's really not going to hurt the team anyway. So it's one of those like, yeah, you can get mad at it, but you know, you're yelling at clouds. 
Right. And, and the thing is, I, I don't know that you were going to be able to sign Hudobin, who was really the known quantity at that point, uh, without going term. Yep. And so, you know, and he and had other, the cachet it, around the league, right? He, some Somebody was going to give him. Somebody was going to give him. Yeah. They would have backed up a dump truck in like yep. Montreal or some somebody somewhere to make him a really well-paid tandem goaltender if he could recreate the magic he had in the bubble. Like, I don't think that's an unfair. No. Well, and, and Ottinger, Ottinger wasn't the, the semi-known quantity that he is now either. I no, mean, a, that's... Lot of, a lot of our hindsight includes the, the last season with Ottinger in essence uh, being tandem with Hudobin and, and outplaying him. And, and we didn't know that at the time. You know, we could hope, but the hope, hope doesn't get you anywhere. And so, yeah, and, and now it's it's Ottinger and Holtby, and I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about, you know, Jake Ottinger, and, and I think as well there's a Holtby in in himself is has played extremely well, and I think he also, the reality is with the structure that this team has, you know, the risk is as long as Ottinger doesn't turn into a pumpkin, um, you're probably going to be able to find a guy that can play competently in that, you know, number two or that one B slot behind this team, the way it's built. This is not a, a you just, if, if Dallas gets okay goaltending, they can elevate it. And if Ottinger is doing better than okay in the number one slot, then guess what? It's probably going to be fine. Right. And the thing is with, with Hudobin and clearing waivers, he's going to get his time down in, down in Cedar park. And if he plays well in Cedar park, somebody's going to pick up that contract with with all of the different you know very marginal goaltenders that are having to play uh having somebody like Hudobin who has at least shown some success in the past um if he can get that success going by playing games which is what he's going to get playing with uh with the Texas Stars um that contract is not necessarily just stuck we may be able to pull off a trade yeah, and I mean, don't listen, underestimate. Ekman Larson got traded this year. Any contract is movable. Yep. Yeah. But I was also going to say, like, don't underestimate the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, desperation? The desire. Yeah. The des- well, also, you also no, no, have to worry. No, no, hang yeah. on. Don't underestimate the desperation of teams that are hit, getting hit so hard right now with guys being out with COVID. Yep. I mean, some, some organizations are rolling like their fourth guy out angle somebody's gonna be desperate enough (laughs) there's a shot from the colorado game where they've got the e-bug and he's wearing nashville predator leg pads (laughs) it's just one of the most (laughs) absurd they've got it's it's 11 forwards uh they had five defensemen until and this is a we'll we'll segue into that taylor but it's one of those like by god that's jack johnson's music anytime you're a team that is eagerly hoping they can get jack johnson back in the middle of a game you know things are are gruesome so I, i think you're right you can't underestimate with with stoppages and with everything going on, like there's, it's, it's, he will, if he can come down and show any kind of, of form with Texas, then there's going to be a team that will, will make an offer for one more, you know, a season and a bit of Anton Hudobin at three and a half or 3.3, whatever he's playing, whatever he's paying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially if they can get Dallas to hang on to a little bit of that. I mean, yeah, I, I just, I, I think there is a market for him. I think at the time, maybe there wasn't, but, you know, the cap is a situation that is constantly evolving throughout the year. And, you know, maybe later down 
the line after you've accrued some, you know, some uh, unused cap space and his daily cap space <laughs> decreases as time moves on, um, you know, maybe there's a better trade partner down the road. Yeah, you pick him up for pennies at the trade deadline because you're only having to pay, what, a month and some change of his salary, and then you deal with the headache in the offseason. Because, of course, the cap hits, like you said, the cap hits his remaining charge for the year, no cap in the playoffs, and then you have the entire summer to reset your roster. And if he plays great, awesome. If he doesn't, you can probably buy him out. You can throw him with a sweetener, as, as we joked earlier at Ekman Larson, right? You can, you can trade You can trade anybody in this league if you put the right assets around it. So I, I agree with you completely. It's not, he's by no means a sunk cost. And and frankly, you know, there was Dallas was supposed to be all set with Bishop and Hudobin and then things happened and all of a sudden they're calling up Ottinger. And it's not insane to think that, that we may, you know, we have not yet seen the last of Dobby. He goes down, get some consistent playing time for the Texas stars. Something happens and Hey, you know, teams need, potentially three goaltenders not on the nhl roster mind you but who knows or or even an injury within within the stars organization i mean having a having a third goaltender available is is certainly something that uh, jim nil has shown a desire to have well and the reality is behind ottinger like tell me who's NHL ready. If you, if you had to call up somebody and play them today right there's no the system kind of, yeah like that's kind of it yep Dallas would be the one in the goaltender market at that point. So, yeah, I probably looking for a guy that looks a lot like Anton Hudobin. Exactly. So, you know, in some ways, maybe it's a maybe it's a blessing in disguise. Maybe not for Anton Hudobin himself, but for the organization that he didn't get claimed, because even though it would probably complicate their cap situation and some gymnastics might have to be done. I think just knowing that you have that option in house has got to be a little bit more comforting, especially as we see COVID just running rampant through rosters right now. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit. Let's go ahead and, and make that segue. So as we mentioned, right, Dallas thus far, no one in the protocol, but I think Calgary is in, at 18. Colorado is playing with a, a – Colorado has a lineup tonight that if you play in a rec league, you're like, all right, 11 skaters, let's go. Who else wants to go home? Like this – it's it's getting – it's been bad. It's getting worse. Did you, you know, see what Nashville had to do? I think it was Nashville. Carolina. It was Carolina. Carolina – was able to recall two players on emergency basis under some obscure rule um, that requires the player that's being called up to be under 850k annual average value. They don't count against the cap because they were going to ha- be four players short of a full roster today. And it's yep. it's amazing. And then, of course, in Montreal, they've they've it's what fifty percent capacity, or no, they're playing without a no, crowd. No, Montreal the is without crowd. Yeah, the Leafs and are back to fifty percent. You've got just teams everywhere shutting down players, um, and it's not you know the I, I use Calgary as the example just because I have the figures on the top of my mind, and it's indicative of what's going on. So over a forty-eight hour period, Calgary went from zero tests positive to eighteen and climbing, and so it's just one of those moments where not only is it um, it's it's not just one or two popping up, it's it's entire chunks, and then some of them you know, we we teased them earlier. The Jack Johnson thing was an inconclusive test, and they 
they were waiting because if he got two negatives, that would override the inconclusive, and he did, so he's playing. So it's it's not it's not like 100% of these because of the nature of the test the NHL is using. It's not that 100% every single player that we're talking about is you know conclusively symptomatically positive, but they're in the protocol, which means they're not available, and you have teams icing rosters that are multiple players short of where they're supposed to be under normal circumstances. Yeah, and you you start to wonder, like, the NHL, I think, went from having, you know, a guy here, a guy there, um, to all of a sudden, I mean, I think that there was something like 24, 25 put on the COVID protocols just on Tuesday alone, um, and that list has definitely grown over Wednesday and, and Thursday, um, and you have to start to wonder, like, is this a situation where the the league is going to have to consider just shutting it down just two weeks. Everybody go to your respective corners and stay where you are and don't, don't talk to each other essentially. And not only that, but you, you have to consider as well, like the way that the, the way that this, this particular strains curve seems to be working is if you shut it down for two weeks, like that, that might be enough to have it work its way through these rosters. And, you know, if you say, okay, we'll see everybody after Christmas, then there's a there's a not impossible chance that it kind of tears its way through the locker rooms and and you're back to being able to have normal ish rosters on the other side. So like there's it's starting to get to the point where there's some sense in doing it. Well, I mean the the concern there is if you shut it down, then it's not going to tear through the locker room because you're not going to have a locker room. But but I think you're right. And and here I, I well I guess the the Taylor. argument is it's already in there, right? The the it, argument it, well, to shutting it down is they've already got it. Someplace. I'm just trying to keep other not. teams from getting it. Honestly, yeah. I yeah. mean, do you, do you want to be sitting there going, "Hey, we're about to play Nashville, and um, half of their team or more is on the COVID protocol"? But sure, let the rest of the guys who've been around them come into our building and play. I, I personally, I mean, if, if you're like, eh, if you're Evgeny Kuznetsov on his third go round, you probably don't care. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's got the first COVID hat trick. Well, it's, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll go with Taylor's line. It's, uh, in, in my day job, I deal with a lot of hospitals, and and they aren't particularly worried about uh, the new variant. What they're worried about is that there's going to be this humongous tidal wave, and and even if this, uh, as as it seems to be, turns out to be highly transmissible, but not all that deadly, just the sheer numbers are going to be as overwhelming as if it was uh, much more deadly. I mean, it's, and then you but, get into border issues. Part of why Calgary ended up shutting down when they did is they were about to get on a plane and fly to, gosh, I'm blanking on where it might, uh, Chicago. They were going to head to Chicago. And if they'd done that and then had what happened happen, they all would have been stuck. You know, there's, there is a reality in the NHL where players are transferring across a border that is not necessarily, you can't assume that it's going to stay open. Yep. Yep. Uh, although I think, I think the, the, COVID's kind of established itself in both places and given how infectious this one is, I don't know that there's a there's a way that the tidal wave just isn't going to happen at this point. I mean, it, every, you know, I, I've seen sewer studies for Palm Springs out here that, that just kind of, you know, they have zero, zero uh, detected cases, but it's in the sewers. So, you know, it's just everywhere, whether, whether you're seeing the cases or not. And it's gonna it's gonna blow through as it will. Yep. But I guess my my point is is like yeah we may not be able to stop the tidal wave in general like 
the NHL is not that powerful. Um, but they they might be able to stop the wave amongst the team the team transmission. Like let it run through whatever locker rooms have it. But like if you're sitting there as Dallas is, I feel like almost at this point the only ones that haven't been there well, yet. Well, they all got it last year, so. <laughs> Maybe yeah, they exactly. cut their well, ball out. I don't know. But, like, if you're yeah, I mean, here and you're shut Dallas, down you're like, please for don't, two weeks please around don't come Christmas. here. Yeah, but shut down for two weeks around Christmas. Um, the Olympics are going to be a humongous question mark. But I suppose oh, I if think, you have players... I think the league, has played go, that. the league has played the Olympics so brilliantly by just punting it and dropping the steaming turd right into the players' laps by saying, hey, we don't want to do it. It's going to be awful if you go. China's going to keep you there for five weeks if you get in trouble. But hey, it's your it's your decision. It's like me with, the, it's like me with my daughter when she doesn't want to eat dinner and just wants to, okay, you can have that cupcake, but then you don't get any TV and you can't do this, you can't do that. You can make that choice, though. <laughs> Right. But but then again, you have somebody like John Klingberg who comes out and says, you know, this is, you know, I, I haven't been to an Olympics. Yes, this is kind of my my last shot at doing it. I really want to do it. Um, maybe for him, it makes sense. I mean, but, the, the, the the thing is, the abs voted to play tonight. And, and obviously this is developing. And so it's very possible that we could have, you know, I remember, I think it was with Buffalo or somebody last season and the voting to play turned out to be a little bit of a of a misleading situation. But the, the word out right now is, you know, 11 forwards, five defensemen and a goalie. And the team was given the option to not play and elected to go for it anyway. So I, I think you're exactly right, Mark. There are there are absolutely players that are going to say, yeah, I could get stuck in China for five weeks, but Hey, guess what? I've, you know, I think it's Steven Stamkos. I, I haven't heard him say anything, but he's never played for an Olympic team. You've got to think that there's some motivation to do so. We've, we heard Klingberg's comments. Like there are guys that, you know, if, if you're Joe Pavelski, right, you've had two of the most impressive seasons in an impressive career. And, you know, you may not, he certainly may not have another run in him and there's got to be, at least some aspect of them that says, gosh, if I don't do this now, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And then, or like even the young guys, I think, you know, it deprives them of the opportunity to go and I don't want to say build their brand. Cause that isn't really the way hockey players think, but you know, to kind of get a little bit more recognition and a little bit more notoriety and, you know, and, and say what you want and maybe Canada and USA don't, don't look at it in quite the same way as maybe European teams, but I think that there is an allure and like a pride that comes for playing for your country that cannot be replicated in any other setting. And the fact that it only comes around every four minutes, the fact that or four minutes, If only, um, but it only comes around every four years, and the hockey player's prime career is not really that long. Oh, I mean, most of these most of these guys get one shot to go at their prime. Most, yeah. you know, like sure, it's possible that they won't that they'll have another go, but you know, look at like I said, Steven Stamkos. He's been a uh, an elite oh, player in the NHL for his, but yeah, he keeps getting hurt, right? So like you look at a guy and I'm, I'm knocking on every wooden surface I can find stars fans have no fear, but you know, you're, you, you'd look at a guy like Jason Robertson and say, Hey, he's, he's only ever had success at the NHL level. He's, you know, he's got all the makings of a player. He's everything says that he's going to get more chances, but like, what if he doesn't, you know, uh, when, when will he ever have the opportunity to go do this with a, a, you know, likely alongside a guy like Joe Pavelski, who he already has a level of comfort with. There's a higher chance that he'll succeed, you know, find a roster fit, all of these reasons, right? Do you necessarily, you know, if you're in his position, do you do you want to bank on the fact that eh, 
I got, I'll get, I'll get another go at this in four years. It'll be fine. But you know, I, I, I and also, I, you're, but while you're making this decision, you're in your early twenties and you already feel invincible. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I think a lot of teams, it's you know, a lot of countries, it's going to come down to what the players that know each other in those countries decide they want to do. Yeah. Now they're going to pick up the phone, they're going to talk to each other, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see some countries where we're kind of the top tier players opt out. And there will be other countries where all the top tier players kind of opt in. And I wonder if there's so gonna it's going to be a weird little hybrid. Like, I, yeah. I wonder if, if you're John Klingberg and you're already leaning towards going, and then all of a sudden you start to hear about a bunch of high profile Canadian opt outs. Do you think, like, if you're, you know, Leandra Seidel, for example, right? If, if you start to see some of the big names on the traditional powers decide they're not going, then you're thinking, hey, you know, Montreal, Montreal and Dallas are the last two beaten finalists for the Stanley Cup. Maybe this is, you know, maybe this is my, you know, opportunity to go and not just, you know, check the box and play for my country. But if ever there was a year where one of the top teams might be vulnerable, right, it's it's this one. Yeah. Uh, yes. uh, Noted Canadian Leon Dreisaitl, who is <laughs> actually German. Well, that's what I mean. That's what I'm talking but, about. If if you're a German, yeah. if you're if you play but for Germany, Germany not going to do anything in the tournament. No offense. They have a they have but, a better chance playing against the. They sure. have a better chance playing against gutted rosters. That's the but, point that I'm making. Like, right. he, okay. if the he's just if all he has to look forward to is getting curb stomped by Canada, then maybe right. he makes one decision. But if if he has a chance. But I, thought you were, hand, I thought you were saying Klingberg. If Klingberg sees Leon title dropping no. out, they're going. That's not it. <laughs> no, flip that. Flip that. If if you have Got players it. that even even Swedish players, like if, if you have players at countries that aren't Canada, and, and really that's what I'm pointing at. If you have players that aren't Canadian, seeing a bunch of Can, you know, if, if a if a less than 100% Canadian roster shows up, that is going to put a lot of pressure on players from teams in that second tier, right? Teams that would normally just expect to lose to Canada and are maybe thinking, you know, Hey, if we, if everything breaks, right, we could get into the other semifinal, right. And have a chance at it. All of a sudden you're thinking like, Hey, you know, I might, you know, there's one less team in this turn. You know, there, there's one, there's an opening, there's a hole, there's a chance. Right. But uh, on the other hand, if you if you, Klingberg goes out there and says, yeah, I'm really interested in going. And, and then if he hears uh, all of the big names for Sweden are, are, are coming out and saying, well, I'm not, I, I'm probably not going to go. You know, is, is he going to go, go play with a bunch of, uh, a bunch of European guys who he hasn't seen since he was uh, in juniors? Yeah. Or is he going to say, oh, at that point, maybe I stick around in the U S it'll be an individual decision at that point. Yeah, I think I think that uh I think that he still does go because like we, like he even said himself it's his last chance and yep. I think that the fact that you know he'll be playing with SEL players I mean that's still a really really good league. Um it's not like he's going to be playing with some scrubs out there. So yeah, I think he goes. I don't think that changes his mind necessarily. But I, I think each player is going to end up making an individual decision, and and that's probably something that's going to going to be done in, behind the scenes, and kind of on a country by country basis. Yeah, I um, yeah. So I don't know. I just I think it will be. But I guess my thing is, I what I've never quite understood is why does the NHL feel like they have to shut down anyway? I mean, 
a lot of European soccer leagues will let players go and play for their country and World Cup qualifiers and whatever, and the Premier League and the Champion League just continues on and plods right along and calls up the next man. So, I like, could, could they yeah, not invent are... something to not count those players against the cap while they're doing their Olympic duties? And, well, know. they could, but, I mean, those, those tend to be more one-offers. Um, our home away series, and so you may be missing a game or two. Uh, there's a little bit of training involved. Now, here, if you're potentially talking about uh, a, a, a five-week quarantine, that's an entirely different okay, story. Maybe this Olympics isn't the best example, but I guess, like, like I think under normal yeah. circumstances, doesn't the like hockey side of the tournament last like maybe ten days at most? Yeah, and like a lot of players will only be there for like three or four. And then they're like, okay, peace, because my team got bounced. I don't know. I'm just thinking kinda, out loud here. I don't yeah, understand kinda, why this has never been considered. Kind of the opposite of, uh, of how players deal with the, with the world champion championships, where uh, where players, uh, when, when their team gets eliminated from the playoffs, all of a sudden you get reinforcements. Exactly. So speaking of reinforcements. I think Dallas has got to be wondering we, we, if there's any on on the horizon, considering they've now lost four straight. Yeah, you know, Jekyll and Hyde, and uh, you know how how different would this game uh, this season be if Tyler Sagan buries that shot into the open net uh, in Vegas to what what go up five uh, two? Yeah, and and then Vegas comes back and and, and kind of gets a cheap little one and makes it four three and all of a sudden it's a game. Uh and and has the team looked you know team didn't look that bad at the beginning of that Vegas game and all of a sudden it's like the confidence went went away and that fine line went to the other side and now they can't pull it together at all. You know, I do I know that Rick Bonus like essentially said after um they lost at home on one Tuesday night, um, because I can't, I don't know what day it is either. Um, but on Tuesday night, uh, he said that the illness that has been going through the locker room is behind them, and there are no more excuses. And then here you get to Thursday, and all of a sudden, Miro Haskinen out with a non-COVID illness and will not travel with the team to St. Louis. And like all of a sudden, you're sitting there going, "Well, that sucks." And you had Ruby Hintz, and you had Alexander Radulov miss a game after he says, you know, "Hey, this is." no more excuses. We're over the hump. This is out of the locker room. And we don't know exactly what's going through the locker room and, and teams go through this every year. And it's always around this time because, you know, weather changes and people are more indoors and cold flu season starts. Um, so it's not something that's unique or different. Um, but I do wonder well, and if it's, it's, and it's, you know, it's some a of the energy out of the guys, right? Like maybe, like maybe you're still able to play, but are you playing at a hundred percent? Probably not. And and it sounded like half the team had it at one point. So like that could explain why they kind of looked like they were dead for for some yeah. parts of that four four game losing streak. Yeah, I mean it, it, it it's possible, you know. But then again, you take a look at a team like St. Louis, and St. Louis may not have you know a a bug going through their room. But on the other hand, if you take a look at the, their injured reserve and guys who are just flat out for, uh, you know, even if it's just day to day, you're you're talking about at least uh, it's more than one hand's worth. And they yes. seem to be able to go out there and still 
keep their identity and play the game regardless of who's up. And that's something that Dallas doesn't seem to be able to do. I mean, I guess technically Dallas kept their identity. They went back to the identity, though, where they stopped scoring. Right, but they're it still was scoring. It's an identity, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, but, you know, are they creating chances? You know, I, I take a look at some of this stuff. Um, you know, what, what was the game before, uh, before St. Louis? Um, the, I'm sort of drawing a mind blank, but the, there were pucks all, all over the place, rebounds being given up and sticks going at pucks, and we just couldn't catch a break and catch an open look or get a lucky bounce. And it, it's almost like that's the way we were before we went on the winning streak. Um, with the, there, there's there's this big kind of luck factor and it's all or nothing and when we're scoring goals it goes. <laughs> when when we aren't when we aren't scoring goals you you have to earn every single one but when you are everything goes in regardless and and dallas more than other teams that i see that that happens in bunches as opposed to just individually yeah it's like the whole team goes through slumps at the same time <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And and here especially it's hurt because all of a sudden, you know, we think we have this this great line with Robertson, Hintz, and uh, and Pavelski. And and so that's carrying us a little bit, but we're also getting depth scoring at the same time. And now we aren't really getting either. And and you know, whether whether there's sickness involved, you know, hints hints uh, not being one hundred percent. Uh, other teams are making adjustments to our top line, and we aren't getting any contributions out of the lineup either. But that's the thing is, I know that I know that over that seven games streak, obviously those that line was absolutely on fire. But they were starting to get contributions from down the lineup during that stretch. I mean, it wasn't all those guys. It wasn't like they were going out scoring four goals a game. Um, it felt like that, but it wasn't actually like that um yeah so i don't know but I we were averaging four goals we were averaging yeah, four exactly. goals and giving up one to two and and that's the other side of the this the that streak that we're forgetting about is that that was not only we were putting the puck in the net but we were keeping it out of our net as well that's, that's the point where we went from 28th on the pk up to top 10 and so things yeah, but- were clicking on the defensive end as well and that's why I wonder if the energy side of this, of that sickness going through the locker room, um, really impacted more than we think it did. Because in order to play that type of game where you are constantly forechecking, where you're constantly trying to drive offense and you're trying to keep guys out of your own zone, that takes a lot of energy and effort. And it shows when they can't keep up with their own game plan. Um, And I think it showed at the beginning of the season and then they had that players only meeting. They were like, guys, suck it up. This is how we have to play. And then they went on an absolute terror. And it's like you said, they were they weren't giving up goals. And realistically, I mean, they lost one of those games like two one. And then they and then they held St. Louis to one goal up until like midway through the third period. And one of those was an empty net and like so it's kind of hard to 
to really say that the defense completely collapsed. Yeah, I mean, and, and you don't want to be a chicken little here and just say the sky is falling because you're getting a few, uh, a few, uh, you know, increments up in the L column. Um, but it certainly yeah. feels that way, and and it kind of feeds into the narrative with this team that uh, that uh, our community certainly has it that that's just kind of sitting there waiting for the other shoe to fall, and. Uh, you're you're almost more likely to believe the bad news than you are to believe the good news. Yeah, well, if you tell me not to look at the elephant, then I'm going to look at the elephant. Yeah. So yep. I feel like people are going to see what they want to see. If you want the team to succeed, you're going to look at it and say, okay, yes, they put up some losses, but they're still creating chances. And, you know, guys are just, you know, maybe they've actually run into some good teams. Like, don't forget that there's a whole other team full of professional hockey players on the other side that um, are also meant to win games. Um, so, you know, sometimes you're just going to lose and like, you know. Right. But, I, but, um, but then, you know, it, it's so stars-ish, though, because back in November, what we were doing, we were looking at that stretch of games at the, at the second half of November and saying, oh, the stars can't play at all. And now they're going to actually have to play some real hockey teams. And, and what did they do? They stepped up. They beat all the good hockey teams. And, oh, they made it through that stretch of, uh, of beating good hockey teams. And now they're going back and playing the same old way. So what do yeah. we have here? I think that's the million-dollar question. But according to Rick Bonus, they know how to fix it. And they're going <laughs> to fix it. Well, they already fixed it. But then they forgot how to fix it is the problem. That or you know, like I think it's I think it's kind of like anything. If I'm really good and you know really good at work and feeling confident about myself, and then you kind of get a little bit lax because you're like, oh, I'm doing so well, and then and then and then your boss is like, hey, uh, this sucked, and then you're like, oh, hey, and then you get scared and timid, and you kind of forget what made you good. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's a big thing, and it's elusive, and it's hard to it's hard to get, and it's hard to keep. So. I think that, you know, I think it's going to work itself out. And and maybe I'm just more jaded. Maybe I've been through too many seasons and I don't ride the waves of, of a season like a normal fan does anymore. <laughs> but well, I, and, I think it's going to be okay. I, and I do too. And you know, if nothing else, I think one of the things that comes with a veteran presence is the ability to, to face the ups and downs, even in, in extremity and not overreact to it. And the stars are certainly in a position with their leadership group to do exactly that. Um, yes, as much as it frustrates fans that the players don't seem to react in the same way. Like, I, it's not that they don't care. It's just that it's an 82-game season. It's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yep. Yeah, you, you grind it out, and sometimes the luck... The, the luck is with you, and sometimes it isn't. I have a, a I, I have a good friend of mine who always says, you know, when, when you're playing a match, what what's going to happen? You know, 25% of the time you're going to win, no matter what. 25% of the time you're going to lose, no matter what. But that middle 50% is the what is the stuff that you can impact, and so that's where you need to make your impact. And I think I, I think this team is able to get through that kind of logic. Well. We'll find out one way or the other. Yep. With that, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this show up. I think we've gone on long enough. We hit on a lot of topics today. Mark, thank you so much for joining me and chatting. 
and Wes as well. Definitely, guys, you know, give us a like, give us a follow, rate us on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. Um, tell your friends. We're cool. We promise. We like to have some fun sometimes. And uh, hopefully we'll see you guys on the next episode of Stargazing. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.